0: McKinney Favelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions.
1: Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Today is the 26th of August, and welcome to the McKinney Favelle Hot Commodity Podcast. I am your temporary host, Craig Ruffalo. With McKinney Favelle here, I'm taking the place of Mr. Michael Coughlin for the week. And today, we've got the commodity analyst of the stars, as Mike likes to say, Jeffrey Rosinski. How are you, Jeff? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Craig. Great to be with you.
0: In week zero, college football officially starts (sighs) tomorrow on Saturday.
1: Man, I am so stoked. We have our first home varsity football game for Campolindo High School coming on later tonight against Moreau Catholic, so root for us Campolindo Cougars. Uh, we're out there in force. Um, it's the start of my son's first year on varsity, so we're excited to see how he plays tonight. And for all of those college football fans out there, we won, uh, wonder if, in fact, Alabama's going to run away with this or if somebody else is going to challenge them because it seems like every year they just reload. They don't uh, rebuild. Well, there you go. It's going to be an exciting season,
0: and I think Georgia uh, had that redemption game at the <sighs> end of the, of the year, and they prevented the, uh, the
1: repeat. Uh, of Alabama. So we'll see yes. what the season holds. I agree. So, you know, we've got a lot going on volatility-wise in commodities. And, you know, anybody that's watching a hedgeable commodity can see day-to-day changes in in the price and what's going on. And we've talked about supply issues and a lot of other ingredients. But one that we don't get a chance to talk to that often is the, is the milk industry. And I know you've got a background in dairy and understand what's going on in some Significant reports came out this uh, this week, and and uh, it's an interesting dynamic. I'd love to hear a little bit of what you think. Is a glass of milk half full, or is it half empty? That's just right,
0: Craig. So there was you know two reports out earlier this week, and there was something in there for everybody, um, bulls and bears alike. And it really depends upon whether you want to be an optimist or or a pessimist with looking at those at those statistics. So let's take a look at what was in uh, what was in some of those reports and yeah. just a re- just a reminder to all those buyers. I mean, schools are starting up here or or have That's already right. started in some instances. And uh, this is the time of the year where that school lunch program kicks in and a lot of that milk gets diverted off to class one to fluid drinking milk. So Ooh. supplies of milk do start to get a little tighter uh, from now through the uh, through the balance of the year. So just something to be uh, something to be aware of.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So this week, the the first report I want to talk about was the uh, the milk production report. And okay. uh, if anyone remembers the, the previous month's report in June. Um, they not only revi- revised the previous months, but they went back pretty much to the beginning of the year and made some significant revisions to the herd and you know, found you know, 20,000 plus head of additional heifers in the herd. And I think there was an expectation we'd see some dramatic changes in the herd size again. And um, that kind of um, didn't, didn't really come to fruition. We, we did see a herd increase of 1,000 head uh, okay. versus, the, versus the prior month. And our current national herd stands at uh, 9,416,000 animals. Um, and the bulls among amongst the uh, you know the trade really I want to highlight the fact that that's down 76,000 animals versus this same time last year. You know that theirs out there would you know quickly point out that yeah, but the milk yield set a, a new yep. national record for the there month of go. July at 65.58 pounds of milk per cow per day. So the the punchline or the net income or or the bottom line is the total milk output for the month of July was actually up. up. Yeah. Thirty-seven million pounds, despite the herd being smaller in size. So it's really like to your point, it's whether you want to view that glass as half full or half empty.
1: Well, it um, seems to me that you've got a happy cow herd right now because they're they're producing and they're producing more than on average that they were a year ago. So yeah, as we believe, you've got kind of some happy cows out there. But it yeah. doesn't necessarily end there with with positivity. We, we've got to we've got to throw a little shade on that because while you've got a higher production as you say you're starting to get into a higher use period for fluid milk
0: that's exactly right and that's part of the you know science versus art interpretation of those statistics and you know I I, the other thing I want to point out for all of the buyers out there in the dairy complex is year to date our milk output is still down a fraction of a a percent specifically down 0.5 percent from the same period January through July of the prior season um, but the buyers out there have to keep in mind that most of the culling that occurred last year really happened you know, in, the, in the second half of the year. That's so right. my expectation is that by the end of the current quarter, so by the end of, of Q3 or September, I think we'll see that herd pull even with or maybe even exceed last year's numbers. So there's, you know, there's, there's cause for caution uh, with you know, the tightening time of the year, and there's cause for optimism that we've seen a pretty good recovery in the, in the herd. Um, and prices have been correct lower specifically protein prices have been sliding and given some ground in recent weeks. Um, you know case in point non-fat dry milk has moved down from a dollar85 down to that dollar 55 range Ooh. and so that's a pretty okay. good right. a pretty yeah.
1: good dip a dip for buyers to take advantage of for sure. I would agree with that that that's the right that's almost the sweet spot if you will for where things have been trending uh, if you look back. Twelve months prior, that's yep. probably right back in line with where things were. The thing that I was going to ask you, because you you'd kind of alluded to it, is the second half of last year we saw some herd culling going on. Obviously, some of the decisions that farmers have to do is the age of the cows, but also uh, cost of you know per feed, unit of feed, yep, uh, and then the, versus the feed inputs, and with grain prices on the rise again. Feed demand is going to look like uh, it's pretty steady uh, on other areas. So what I fear is is that you're going to see feed prices go back up, and will that encourage farming community to maybe do another culling like they did last fall uh, ahead of uh, you know a high period for before the spring flush would come back in next spring? So are we anticipating any culling of the herd, even though we are numbers wise down year over year?
0: It's a good good question Craig. I would not anticipate a lot of culling over the next 6 to 9 months specifically because I think they had taken some of the older less productive cows out of the herd last last year and most of the new additions we've seen over the last 6 months have been younger more productive heifers and you know they're they're going to be in peak production for the next couple of years and I don't yeah. think it's going to make sense for them to take you know to to cull those those uh, those heifers out of the yeah. out
1: of the herd. Well, that's good news because we don't yeah. need any culling going on, even though the prices uh, for uh, the feed product is going up. You know, again, rationing of of feed and how they go about it is a science. It's not just, hey, we'll throw some some soybean meal or some corn gluten at them or DDGs. It, there's formulas that they use. So yep. maybe they can do a little percentage shifting around a little bit and, and not occur just a direct uh, skyrocketing price on feeding those cows. Yep. What else, is, what else is going to impact in your mind? Now, the economics uh, of the U.S. and the economy, I should say, is, is, as we all are kind of looking at this from an ingredient standpoint, do we think that there's going to be potentially a little bit of an economic slowdown that could impact dairy products, maybe even cheese or block cheese or butter? Uh, or do we see, you know, that's kind of a recessionary proof category. What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, well, the the two products you just mentioned, butter and cheese specifically, um, the the other report that got released earlier in the week is the Coles-George report. And inventory is always a key in dairy because you go through the flush in the first half of the year where, where you're producing more milk and the more productive six months of the year. And you build up stocks typically through the middle of the summer. And then you start pulling those stocks out of the inventory to you know, keep the, the market well so supplied. I already talked about how you siphon off a bunch of the milk into the school lunch or you know, fluid, right. fluid drinking market. So you really need that buffer of inventory to be in place for the second half of the year. And that, that cold storage report, again, it's kind of the tale of uh, two cities, or you know you, depending upon whether you want to be the optimist or the pessimist. Uh, Let's look at the butter side first and be more pessimistic or more bullish in nature on on prices. So, the total dropped to 314 million pounds, and that's the lowest inventory of butter we've seen in the last five years. And I think that's one of the main reasons why prices Mm. have been pushing historic highs. You know, most recently we've been been up around two dollars and 85 cents a pound and in the wake of that uh, cold storage report we saw butter surge even higher it was up four cents on you know on in the you know the day after the report and now we're pushing closer to three dollars a pound so that remains very very expensive and very in, in, in tight supply cheese kind of flip side of that coin um, you know there are ample cheese inventories out there, so the you know, the inventories actually climbed to a better than expected 1.523 billion oh. pounds, and that eclipses really? uh, that eclipses both the prior month's total of 1.506 billion and last year's end of July total of 1.45 billion. So, you know there is a lot of cheese out there in cold storage. All cat all varieties <laughs> increased except for Swiss. Basically. You,
1: you- you set the stage, there's a lot of cheese out there. There sure is. Just talk to any analyst out there. They are full of cheese, I got to tell you. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> the, and the price
0: of cold storage has gone up dramatically with the higher oh, higher bet. cost of energy and utilities to, to keep and it frozen. And CO2.
1: Yep. And CO2 is is also expensive, if you can believe that. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because you would think with the economy had been opened up, right, and we had more, more people going out, uh, than we had maybe in the past two years. And you'd think on the quick service restaurant trade that cheese would be, uh, and particularly shredded, would be uh, of interest uh, to pick demand up. And yet you're seeing a huge inventory of it through the summer months where people are out actually running around uh, the country doing their vacations what have you. So that's a little bit of a surprise to me, I got I to gotta admit. Uh, but that's also a good thing, um, perhaps. Because it'll offset some of the butter costs, which that is outrageous. I didn't realize that we were at a five-year low. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: I think the the way to look at it, Craig, is with something like cheese. I think can be more resilient in terms of the overall consumption patterns. Where maybe mm. someone won't be going out to eat, but maybe they'll be getting some um, frozen pizza or something like that to right. you know, to cook at home. Um, butter, a lot of that is going to move into the restaurant um, space. And so as yep. people's purses are pinched a little bit with you know higher interest rates and higher mortgage payments and whatnot, maybe there's less money or or you know ability to go out there and kind of spend um, conspicuously um, with going out to restaurants. So I, I guess I feel, you know, with butter and that two dollars and eighty-five to three dollar a pound mark, I, I kind of feel the same way about butter at its current prices as I did about non-fat when it was flirting with a dollar eighty-five a pound. Okay. So I think that you know people wanna be bullish and supportive of butter prices, but I just don't see butter prices flirting with three dollars a pound as being sustainable going forward. Yeah. And, and clearly we're, you know, the most expensive butter fat in the world right now. And I think that's you know putting a big bull'seye on us for uh, you know flooding this US market with imported cheaper um, sources of, of butter fat as we move into uh, 2023 if prices stay at, at current levels and don't break and have a similar correction to what we've seen in proteins and non-fat dry milk.
1: Well, lots to digest there, uh, not to, to be too much of a pun here like Mike usually does when he talks to you about dairy, uh, but that, I appreciate the fact that what we're saying to the audience is, is that you can choose whether or not you want to be a pessimist and or an optimist in some of the numbers, but what you can't do is you can't just sit on the sidelines. You have to understand the dynamics, and I think you did an unbelievably great job clarifying some of these statistics and what they actually might mean as an influencer to to the price point going forward and i happen to agree the best cure for high price is high price because it creates umbrella for options and 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 spurs people to think of alternatives so i appreciate everything that you've done here let's try to wrap this one up for today and and wish everybody a happy first weekend of college football i'm excited i got to tell you i've been waiting for football season for four months now. And and I'm ready. I'm ready for college football to start back up. And like Mike says, let's live our lives with an attitude of gratitude. Uh, Take advantage of the opportunity to spend your time with your family and friends. And this weekend, uh, enjoy it. Jeffrey, have a wonderful weekend and uh, be safe out there. And thanks, everybody. We look forward to anybody interested in reading about the dairy markets or the energy markets or anything that might be of interest to you don't forget to check out our iq platform and if you're not a subscriber contact your bikini favel sales rep and let's get you on there till next time take care that concludes this podcast episode for
0: expanded commentary and more detailed information log on to bikini favel's iq ingredient intelligence platform and listen to our market insights podcast if you're not a subscriber visit bikini-favelle.com for more information And as always, follow us on YouTube,
1: LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.